Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurntOrangeNation.com. Before we get started, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton. The visibility, share this with your friends, your coworkers, anybody that you know is into Texas Longhorn sports. Also, if you ever wanted to start your own podcast, you've got a really cool opportunity from you. Our podcast host, Podient, is offering our listeners an exclusive offer. You can get a 14-day free trial of their premium services. Uh, they handle all of the, the technical st- side of podcasting, so all you have to do is record edit and then you put it on their site and it'll push it out to Apple Play and to Stitcher and to TuneIn and all that. You just put it all on their website and it handles it for you. It gives you a nice link. It sends it out and it's really easy. Great analytics on the back end. You can see exactly who's listening, where they're listening from and how many listeners you get each week. If you want to sign up for the premium membership with them, you can use the code LONGHORN, L-O-N-G-H-O-R-N. You probably should know how to spell that to get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. Remember, you get 14-day free trial. Again, if you want to sign up for that, check out podient.co. Sign up for a premium membership using the code LONGHORN, and you can get 25% off your first three months of membership. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm uh, I'm good. I have a brief break back here in the great state of Texas uh, before heading back to bourbon country, back to Louisville, Kentucky, um, where even my hotel bar had 150 different flavors, or I should say varieties of bourbon. Um, that's a that's a strong argument. I used to think Texas was the only place that had good things. I, I'm, I'm learning uh, there are other things that or other places that have their uh, their highlights. So that's been nice, but happy to be back here. Just got back from a, a world champion Houston Astros uh, game where my girlfriend's favorite player, the lovable and rotund catcher Brian McCann, uh, broke the game open with an eighth inning home run so everyone's happy tonight and we got some good longhorn sports to talk about yeah uh i'm not i'm not a mlb guy never have been but big ups to the astros i'm glad that you got to go out there and, and check them out it's a good time well it kind of a big week for texas longhorns um if you listen to my other podcast you know i have a penchant for uh, predicting things uh called a, a major spoiler in uh, avengers infinity war and then predicted that uh thor ha- half thorbson whatever his name is the guy that plays the mountain uh in game of thrones would win 2018's world's strongest man so i was actually two for two back-to-back weeks but if you listen back to last week's show Kyle and I were discussing baseball, and we made a prediction that we thought Texas had a, had a legitimate shot of overtaking Oklahoma State to win a conference championship. And guess what happened? Texas swept its weekend series, and then Oklahoma State got swept, meaning that the Texas Longhorns won their first outright Big 12 title in any of the Big 3 sports since they won a Big 12 title back in 2011. That's their eighth Big 12 baseball title big time Kyle we called it we predicted it oh yeah how does it feel um you know as your fellow Podstradamus who's called some things this is good uh not just because we predicted it. it's also good um I mean there are some heroes there are some guys on this Texas baseball team who are shaping up to be like true Longhorn legends um it's funny you should mention uh, the mountain because I think uh, they actually looked at uh, Cody Clemens to play uh, the Mountain in the recasting for this this final season of Game of Thrones. I don't know if he could do it with the schedule, um, but the man is uh, actually that would probably be Zach Zubia. But the man Cody Clemens, just 
Tennessee's coming up big uh, yet again this week. Um, I should say, before we get into the TCU series, we don't want to overlook the fact that they had to win them all. Um, and, and David Hamilton, who, uh, to keep the Game of Thrones metaphor going, did his best Ramsey Bolton and reminded Texas State that their name is, in fact, Reek. That guy just loves to torment that team. Um, really went ham. Um, Hamilton, uh, multi-hits, multi-RBI <laughs> game. Oh, yeah, that's right. That happened. Um, to put the 6-2 win over uh, Texas State. But, uh, again, of course, that was kind of the the uh, aperitif before the uh, the main uh the main course which uh, of course was that TCU series the battle as we called it um for King Del Conte um and and UT came out and did exactly what they needed to do of course getting help from Texas Tech uh was wonderful um we were we were hoping they would be able to host uh host a regional um but I think winning it outright you know solves any any questions or any doubts that that could be in jeopardy um, UT finished, you know, 17 and seven in, in conference play in in the big 12, which is the number two RPI conference in the country. They are the champions of that, um, which makes them one of the short list for elite teams, um, in the country this year. So that's, you know, going to guarantee them, uh, hosting a regional. Like I said, uh, they get to win a big 12 championship, seeing the team and coach Pierce pick up that beautiful glass bowl and hoisted overhead uh was such a cathartic feeling i don't know about you but that like kind of did something for me that like stirred something inside me that's become a little um a little bit granite in the in the emotions you know there's been um just a little bit that's grown over that's gotten hard that's gone cold um just kind of gotten a little bit pessimistic gotten a little bit cynical um about kind of big longhorn sports because it's really been it's been a while since we've we've been able to see that and not you know worry that we're going to somehow mess it up right at the very end. So um, I don't know about you. How how did that make you feel watching UT finally? I mean, is Texas back? Question mark. I hesitate to say Texas is back because I feel like anytime we say Texas is back, cough cough. Uh, Tyrone swoops against Notre Dame. Things just the wheels seem to fall off and our pets' heads continue to fall off. Uh, but but it does definitely feel like there is. The times they are a changing, we'll yeah. say it just it feels like something is shifting. the The attitudes seem to be different. the The swagger seems to be coming back, and you know, the last time the the baseball team won, you know, a a, um, a national championship seemed to be a a uh, sign of good things to come. So hopefully, this will continue that trend. You know, it can't be understated how important it is for this team to play at home for a regional, just looking at the disparity of their home and away record, 27 and seven at home, nine and 11 away from the dish. So it's kind of a big deal that this team, you know, managed to presumably get a, a regional hosted in Austin. Cause that's big for them. And uh, you know, just being able to build momentum through the last half, not last half, but really the last two thirds of the season and really capitalize uh, and, and come with, do what they needed to do to set themselves up for a, a shot at maybe making a deep run in the tournament. Yeah. And feeling like just a little bit kind of nostalgia. I I'm so happy that um, you and I do this podcast because I always, you know, keep a, really close eye on Longhorn sports. It is my uh, passion and my, my guilty pleasure. And anytime I, I have a free minute, you'll probably catch me digging in somewhere to, to a UT article or archives or message board or something, just kind of um, checking in. But 
having this with you kind of holds both of us to to watch every sport. So, um, you know, watching um, some of the non-revenue sports that have been going on and, and watching, you know, more of the women's sports. You and I have long time been advocates for that. But digging and watching that has, has been great and really kept me kind of in tune. So we've seen UT win, but it is still something a little bit different to watch. You know, there is a big three kind of hierarchy, at least in a revenue side in, in um men's college sports and kind of um you know football where we've been basketball the highs and lows um it's been it's been leading up to this moment um baseball with the cinderella kind of run last year that came out of nowhere um i, I was looking back and if you'll indulge me a moment i really was thinking back about this season and thinking about how we came into it um you know this was a team that people expected some things from after last year um, you know, came in ranked as high as 14 by Baseball America, which I think is their highest in a couple of years. Um, but, you know, I, I was, I think we said it on this podcast, a little bit cautiously optimistic because while there was some talent coming back, you, they, they had the most um, players drafted last year. They had 11 players go in the, in the draft, including eight underclassmen. So it's hard. That's an entire baseball team, you know, starting um, starting unit. That's, that's hard to replace um, – that type of production. They also had four guys who were supposed to be on the 40 acres who decided to go pro instead, um, who had committed, but you know, no fault to anyone. Uh, if you have a chance to make money and, and start your career that way, you go do it. Um, Get paid. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and you never know. And, and I mean, you look at one guy who is probably presumed to be their starting closer. Um, uh, the, the transfer, I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, Donnie Diaz. Donnie Diaz. There we go. Who uh, came in. He was the hot transfer, you know, was really looking to probably pitch one year at Texas, you know, have 12, 13 saves, look fantastic, and, and go himself get drafted. He, the kid has Tommy John at like 20 years old um, and now is going to have a long kind of rehab process. And he actually was drafted by the Red Sox in the late round, but still uh, had that chance, you know, so it's never going to tell a kid not to do it. But there were so many things stacked against this team. And I think it really speaks to Coach Pierce. I mean, we spent a lot of time this year focusing on on Augie Garrido being an all-time great because with his passing, you kind of do that retrospective. But I think this year, all the credit goes to, and I, I kind of hope the players feel in their hearts a little pull to win this one for Augie, but on the, from a coaching perspective, Pierce has done a masterful job of piecing together guys, playing guys in five, six, seven positions to find the exact combination to get the bats working and the lineup right and the defense just right going through that pitching staff. I mean, when you come in with two preseason All-Americans in your pitching staff, and one of them is Bo Ridgeway, who literally, I think the kids still got it. I think he just had a rough go of it, but he, he went from a 1.89 ERA to, a, uh, to an 11.32. I mean, that is one of your guys. He was our closer last year. He's one of your guys that you just assume as a junior you're going to be able to rely on. And when that happens, most coaches – your entire pitching staff and, and bullpen is is derailed trying to trying to solve that. And, and Pierce, I mean, to his credit, only one lefty on the uh, Sawyer on the staff who really saw any meaningful time. I mean, just was juggling, squeezing uh, the most juice out of this fruit. And I think, um, I think there's a there's there's like a lovable kind of. Um, little rascals feel to this team where it's a ragtag you know you got the superstar from last year's little brother who I mean we could have a whole podcast talking about how incredible it has been watching Cody Clemens um but you know you have uh these guys who one of my favorite stories is uh is 
our closer, McGuire, Andy McGuire, who actually came to UT, didn't get the PT he expected, transferred away, came back as a walk-on, um, ended up playing in right field uh, to start the season. Um, and then uh, and then the guy ends up becoming the closer, pitching the last innings, the last out of a Big 12 championship against TCU this weekend. Like, this could be a movie. This team just, it really has something that, at least for me, I'm excited. I'm feeling. I'm invested. I'm I'm tuning in 30 minutes before games just to make sure I don't miss anything getting ready. Um, have Twitter pulled up to be a part of the conversation. Like this just feels fun. I wish I was in Austin to get to the dish. Um, and who knows? Maybe I can. Maybe I can make it down. But this is just. Uh, this is a fun team. Yeah, and and the I think the way they turned the season around because early on we were not optimistic to say the least. I mean, they lost the series to LSU and mm-hmm. looked outclassed. They, they lost the, the two games they lost. They, they picked up the Sunday game, but they lost first game 13 to four, second game 10 to five. So that is a 23 to nine run differential. Uh, and then Stanford absolutely just dominated them in that, uh, that kind of last tune up before big 12 play. And then they lost two to Arkansas. So, we saw early in the season, like there, this could be a long season. I think we actually said it on this podcast after the Stanford and Arkansas situation, like this could be a long season. And then they go from there and win, um, I mean, 28 of its final 28 of its final 38 games. So they lost 10 games out of nearly 40, 28 and 10. I, I cannot say that enough. So like you, you'd say it's kind of a storybook season or a fairy tale season, which is just a weird thing to say, but they turned it around. It, it kind of is like a, like, okay, maybe there's something is going on and, and something, uh, a, a corner has been turned definitely for this baseball season, obviously, because they won a conference championship. But I think if, if the teams on the 40 acres continue to operate with this level of swagger and this level of uh, excitement, then things could be, uh, permeating multiple sports. Yeah, and I think to extrapolate just a little bit from this, you know, you look at, like I said, that many players leaving Pierce. Coach Pierce was put into a position where he had to go out and find talent, right? You put yourself in a talent deficit with that kind of exodus for guys going pro. So he relied on transfers, junior college stars, um, guys coming in and, and hoping they could they could do the job. And you kind of think, um, the next season we're looking forward to is the football season next year. You think about Trey Watson coming in and Calvin Anderson coming in and the football team doing the same. I'm not saying it's a parallel, and this means immediately that those two guys coming in uh, just guaranteed us the Big 12 championship. Again, I said I'm not saying that, but if anyone wants to go ahead and uh, snip out the clip, I'll say it slowly. I'm not saying that. Pause. Those grad transfers will automatically guarantee UT the Big 12 championship in football next year. So, um, you know, there, there's, some, <laughs> uh, there's some there's some good uh, some good other podcasts that, uh, you know, like to uh, from other schools that like to take hot takes. So if you want to if you want to use my my <laughs> take right there, I want I want to stoke the fires of uh, Podlandia. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, truly, the like I said, those guys coming in um using players out of position, playing players all over. Um, I mean, just the fact that Texas had 17, per, uh, 17 come from behind wins, almost half of their wins this season, 46% involved them coming back. Like that just makes for fun baseball. And that really like 
guilds. You've gone through the fires. I mean, you, you kind of mold uh, the heart of a champion through that kind of stuff. I mean, you go into a regional tournament that you're hosting. You go into a college world series in Omaha, and you've already been battle-tested. You've admittedly didn't have the best showing, but I think this team is significantly better at this point of the season than they were in the beginning. But you've played uh, really the probably number two or three team in the country in Stanford, you know, a top five team in Arkansas, um, an LSU team that's so hot. I mean, the the crazy stat I was looking at is that Arkansas, um, Arkansas and LSU had the two worst uh, SEC road records. They couldn't they couldn't win on the road, but also had the two top home win totals you couldn't win at those places and UT had to go in and play uh, both of those teams at home you imagine maybe they get a neutral side or a road game and they win a few more of those games right again that was earlier in the season but you know th- this schedule was a monster they had they had multiple conference champions they had Houston who was a conference champion Sam Houston who's a conference champion in both top 25 teams um, played SEC teams like the Aggies the you know Arkansas LSU and and held their own I mean it, this was a this was a season that was kind of set up that if you if you make it through if you make it to the end of the board game then you've been through the pitfalls and the traps you know this is the this is the point where you've leveled up you you made it out of the dungeon you know you uh you solved the puzzle to climb to the top and escape out to the light like they are they are evolved and they're going into this tournament with all of the confidence all of the momentum um to really really turn this into something. And I, like I said, uh, will be tuning in for every game, cancel all my plans. Um, uh, this this is one you don't want to miss, guys. Can't, you heard it here first. Kyle will not be working starting Wednesday. <laughs> At 12.30. <laughs> yeah, so the Big 12 tournament starts this Wednesday. Uh, Texas will be taking on Kansas in the first round, the eight seed, uh, obviously, because they're the one seed. So <laughs> they'll take on the eight seed, Kansas, 12.30, you can watch it on uh, Fox Sports, I think. So it'll be, so. it'll be a good time. Download the Fox Sports. Go on your on your uh, on your phone. Yeah, yeah, I, I have that for soccer, and it's it's actually not bad. Um, but uh, the nice thing about the bracket, the way it lays out, is Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and also the Nemesis West Virginia are all on the opposite side of the bracket. So they have. Um, OU, who really that series win against them was one of, I think, the turning points in the season. Baylor, who they, they handled fairly easily. Uh, and, of course, their first round of Kansas that, that should, as long as UT doesn't have any major collapse, should see them pretty easily progress through um, that side of the bracket and meet up with one of, like uh, we said, Tech or Oklahoma State. Or who knows, maybe TCU gets hot um, or even rare West Virginia. But, but that should see them. Uh, with a pretty favorable route to the to the Big Twelve uh, tournament championship game, it is a the bracket definitely does shape up extremely nicely for Texas because they swept Kansas to open up the Big Twelve play this year. So that's a uh, that's a big winner for them, and then they'll play uh, the winner of Oklahoma Baylor. Both teams who they had, did they sweep OU this year? No, they no, didn't. I think they, it was they blew two that and Sunday one. game. Yeah. Uh, and Baylor, a team that they swept, so this this they could have a pretty straight shot uh, to that uh, to that conference championship, which will be nice to see. Again, loving love seeing Texas win both uh, the the regular season and the conference championship, obviously, because uh, we can just continue to add to our uh, our conference championship numbers, and uh, it's absolutely great. Let's let's move on quickly. There was some other big news this week, just just a little bit. So, uh, like a Beyonce album. Uh, 
Chris Del Conte in the Texas Longhorn Twitter feeds announced just out of nowhere that Texas had scheduled a home-and-home series with Alabama to take place in 2022-2023, which, side note, is only four years away, which is just ridiculous. Uh, So Texas continues to add Blue Bloods to its non-conference schedule for basically uh, the next eight to ten years. So uh, we've got USC this season. And then 19 and 20 is a home and home with LSU. 21, they travel to Arkansas. Then we drop in this 2023 to Alabama. Uh, 2024 and 2027 is a split home and home because you drop in the middle of their home and home with Ohio State 2025 and 2026. Now, I'm not going to give all the credit to CDC for all of these because these were already in place. But getting the big dog Alabama on the schedule is a big deal. This is the uh, first meeting of these two teams, or will be the first two meetings of these teams since the 2010 national championship, uh, which is one of my uh, least favorite sporting moments. And one of my hottest takes in sports, maybe not hot take, but if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt that game, Texas wins a natty in 2010, but that's neither here nor there. That's uh, a lukewarm te- tape. Everyone knows that that's, that's a fact. At least everyone who was born or has at any point lived in the state of Texas knows that that's a fact. And the quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide also said the same thing. Texas is 7-1-1 one, and one against Alabama. Again, the only loss coming in that terrible national championship where we thought Garrett Gilbert was going to be the truth. So Kyle... Texas continues to just just make flashy things happen. They're they're doing all sorts of cool stuff, and I feel like this is kind of a, the cherry on the Sunday of what Del Conte's been trying to do since he was installed about a year ago. Yeah, and I was just thinking while you were talking, we need to we need to workshop a little bit. You you referenced the Beyonce album, and I think that's very apt. We need. Um, I am a card carrying member of the Bay Hive. That's the Beyonce uh, fan club. So we need to workshop a little bit, uh, a few names for the uh, the CDC supporters section. Um, you know, I I don't want to uh, I don't want to jump right out in the in the lead. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wait with all my all my punny. Um, Del Conte uh, ones, but you know, feel free to tweet that at us this week. Um, the the top suggestion for the the Del Conte verse, um, the the followers of of Chris Del Conte. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, it's really amazing what pure absolute visceral fear uh, has caused Texas to do. I mean, all of the schedule we're doing to really just obfuscate that we're utterly. Um, knee shakingly afraid uh to play a team you know in in our same state and and used to be in our same conference that has um a 46 percent winning percentage in their new conference since since um that that johnny guy left okay canadian footballs johnny manziel left so um you know that that fear has driven us to do this is is um i guess has has an unintended consequence it's been great um you know this is going to be fun. This is going to be cool. This is going to be uh, great. This is one of the fun things about college football, right? I mean, usually you have bowl games that pit these teams. Like I remember, uh, I think you may have skipped over it, but the 24-27 that's dropped in between Ohio State that you were referencing was Michigan. Um, and I remember the first Rose Bowl against Michigan was so cool. That's also when Vince Young inve- invented the term Rose Bowling, um, another team. Um, and he followed that up, if you remember, against USC. But um but yeah, I mean, that was such a cool thing because Michigan is this, you know, storied program that I, I have to look it up, but I don't really think they'd met 
very often, if ever, um, before that. So it's always cool to see that in both. And I like this trend where we're bringing um, the powers, you know, this isn't the, the 50s or the 60s anymore. You don't just have to play the teams you can drive or take a bus or a train to. Um, we're pretty national now. We can uh, we can afford to schedule these types of things, and it makes it a really fun thing for fans. It's a thing to put on the calendar um, and kind of shoot to. I don't know um, about you, but I, I did I – did, there was one piece of this. You know, We added a national champion to the, to the slate, which is big, um, but we also took – a reigning national champion off the slate. And I just want to say, you know, I, I understand it's, it's safe to be safe to be a little afraid because we also removed the 2023 game with reigning national champion, university of central Florida, um, who, um, you know, I will, will always be my, my national champion. So, um, you know, that game was one that kind of got scrapped in this, but uh, what, what are you thinking, Gerald, if you had to, as a fan or just, you know, as someone who loves Texas football, get to one of these games. Which one for you? Um, I'll say I'll say two things. Which is your your favorite that you'd love to be in Austin and see? And which is your number one or maybe your top few that you would, if you could, all the money, no scheduling issues, just any uh, you could get up and go for a weekend that you would want to visit. What's your What's your top destinations? Well, I I almost went down for the USC game this year. Cause that it's literally all my birthday. So, uh, that would have been fun, but I realized I could book a whole trip to Austin for my anniversary and the West Virginia game for the price of one USC ticket. So I decided <laughs> to go that route. Now, um, so I think the one that I would want to be in Austin for is Bama. I think it, it seems really topical, but I like, there would just be, it's just an epic match of the blue bloods of college football. Like it's, it's, there's no two ways about it. Like seeing Alabama and it's iconic, you know, you know, crimson and white and seeing, you know, the Texas and it's burnt orange and white, like that just looks like classic college football. I guess Bama would probably be in all probably the white jerseys and the, and crimson pants. or they do all whites on the road. I'm not sure, but either way, it just, it would, it would just look just, it would just look classic. It would just so look classic. And then uh, I, I haven't been uh, shy about this. I think um, the horseshoe is is on yeah. my college football bucket list. I want to yeah. go see a game at the horseshoe. Um, you know, going going to see Michigan would also be a really cool experience. But yeah, there's the just something cuss. about. Um, and I bet you know if Texas is any good and Ohio State are any good at that point, it would be a night game. So yeah. seeing a night game at the Horseshoe would just be absolutely insane. Uh, yeah. I remember when when the last time Texas played at the Horseshoe mm-hmm. was a night game and Lima Sweet on the uh, sidelines making Sweet. just a ridiculous catch to 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 clinch that game. Like I remember watching that game and then going outside and it was it was almost like Texas won the championship that night because people were running down the streets and honking their horns and like so just being able to go and see a game live at the horseshoe would just just be absolutely so cool. Kyle, what about you? I love that. Let me just give quickly. I uh, I remember where I was when I watched that game. I was at student council camp, um, and and one Miss May Holmes, um, who is a mentor and a hero to both Gerald and I. Um, Absolutely. Uh, she will never hear this podcast, but I hope someone who knows her hears it and forwards it to her. Um, Miss Holmes uh, let us have like a 
six inch TV in a corner um, when we were supposed to be doing team building things to watch. And, uh, you know, like I had to come away and I came back and I literally had been watching for about six seconds when Lima Swede made that catch. And it just like made everything for me. I was like, wow, this, you know, the sports gods were smiling upon me for a moment. I was also one of my first college football um, games at DKR was when uh, they came back and they were in Austin um, and we lost a heartbreaker um, in, in that game and I, and I held some grudges for many years against both Selvin Young and Billy Pittman um, which were probably not fair to them but um, but yeah I think Ohio State is is very much up there because like you said the horseshoe is legendary I don't know if they'll still have Urban Meyer because that is you know you think about it that's eight years from now um, and it's very very you know uh, probable that he could have a um, recruiting vi- <coughs> excuse me a, a family issue um, that that comes up where he just wants to spend more time with with um, family at another prestigious university somewhere else in the country so um, if he's there you know that's just one of the greats all time Urban Meyer and at the horseshoe would be cool I think the big house actually would be awesome like I said there's something ever since I was a kid about Michigan that just had this allure um, about it, the colors and the, you know, the kind of cool helmet and, and just the, I don't know, Michigan always seemed cool in the big house. To me, I knew Happy Valley being growing up kind of a Penn State fan as well. Um, but the big house was just the biggest over 100,000. The first one that you really heard, I think it was them, Tennessee and Penn State, um, you know, just had it had a kind of aura. But for me, this is a clear one and two and no, sorry, Arkansas, you're nowhere close. Um, if your team was good, it was that's a fun old rivalry, but really only Arkansas remembers that that's a rivalry. But uh, <laughs> but no, the uh, and I will another caveat. I went to the the bowl game that was in Houston when um Texas, I think, had like 11 total yards of offense, and Arkansas just drove our program probably back three years, not even exaggerating in that that Texas Bowl. Um, But I think clearly number two, I'm going to say for me, is Bama, um, because I would love to see a home game with all the crazy nuts, rammer, jammer, hound's tooth, toothless, um, Alabama (laughs) faithful. Um, I went to the national championship game um, where we played, where, where if Colt would have, you know, not gotten hurt, I would have seen a victory, but, um, you know, talked with some Alabama fans was surrounded by a lot of them. One guy was listening to the radio and giving me updates on Colt from in the stadium, which was great. But, uh, I feel like I, yeah, it was, it was, but I feel like I kind of saw the upper echelon, th- those who could and would travel uh, across the country entirely to, to watch the team. I feel like if you go to Tuscaloosa, you are seeing Reese Witherspoon's Sweet Home Alabama. You are seeing the real deal. Um, again, like just your, you know, sweaty, overgrown, toothless. No, again, I don't want to <laughs> upset the Bama fans. Um, I met some great ones when I was out there, but I just want to see a game in one of the most storied programs in their home field, walk through and see the statues. Um, I think there's like six or seven statues of Nick Saban by this point, um, but just see all the, you know, the legends uh, that are there. But my number one is the 2019, or I believe it's, is it 19 or 20? Whichever year is, is I think it's 20, is in Baton Rouge, is seeing hopefully a night game in Death Valley. Um, just, the, you know, one of the premier um, atmospheres in college football. And one of my biggest regrets, I couldn't go to the Grove when we went there. That's not as much for the football, for, for the same tailgating atmosphere. Um, it's just an unbelievable place. Um, 
LSU is like that. Of course, have the best tailgating food in the country, bar none. Um, they, if it's a night game, that means they've been drinking since about 3 a.m., so they're, they're good and liquored up, and they are just rowdy and reach decibels that are, that are pretty unparalleled in sports in general, but in college football. So being there to see that game, to me, would be the top of the top. And, and you hit on something throughout all of that. It is so crucial and key that these are home-and-home home games. These are not neutral site games. This is not driving to Dallas for Jerry World. This is not at a pro stadium. This is on campus for the fans, for the students. Like, that's what this needs to be. Like, that's what college football is. Like, college football is going to a place that you've never been before and getting in, getting in a yelling fight in the parking lot afterwards with somebody, I will never forget like walking through the Texas state fair after one of those games where Jamal Charles just put it on OU and, and just giving it to OU fans and being loud and obnoxious. Like I will never forget those things. Cause that's what now granted that's a neutral site game, but that's, that's his that's story. Like I, I will never forget being in, in the stadium when, when Vince Young did his first Texas two step against Oklahoma state. I'll never forget those things. I'll, so being able to have those on campus, reward the fans, reward the students, um, and the shifts that they're making, especially at DKR, to make it a more fan-friendly experience, to make it a more student-friendly experience, I think, are huge. And, and you know, it just continues to add to the phenomenal job that Del Conte is doing. Because this easily could have been a Jerry World game. This easily could have been a college football kickoff game that first week in Jerry World. And the fans have to travel. And the students who you know, like you and I didn't have rich parents don't get to go to all of those games. Don't get to attend as many of them. So it's so cool that, you know, I as a student can go and, and pay for this out of my, you know, all sports pass or however it works. That used to be how those tickets were get in line for it, skip class and, and swipe your ID to get a ticket. That's how old I am. That's how it used to do, uh, how, how it used to go. Uh, but being able to do that and seeing students walk down the, uh, the street, which they're talking about closing off, which is phenomenal walking down, walking straight from Jester dormitory down to the stadium, coming out of San Jack, going straight down to the stadium. Like that's just such a cool thing that that's going to happen, that these students are going to get to experience for years to come. Yeah. And uh, you know, I wasn't there, but I, I've talked to probably 10 people and they all had the same thing to say about that Notre Dame game. That was, that was at Texas. It just felt like a different experience. Um, I remember the year uh, that Texas seemed to have like five college game days or at least four. Um, and, and I think the final one of those or maybe the second to last was at home against Missouri when, when the Chase Daniel um, Missouri Tigers were actually legitimately like a real, real bad animal. Um, and they came in as just the hype team to upset Texas and really, um, you know, just kind of walk their way in to the national championship in Texas, just absolutely handed it to them from snap to snap. Um, and, uh, you know, that was just the most electric, I think still to this day that I felt DKR, um, the big games matter. And like I said, that Notre Dame game, a lot of people who went to that game were comparing it, uh, with me that that was just that Notre Dame game had a next level and a next level octave of energy. Um, I think the players feed off of that and you just get good football as a result of that. So I'm excited for all of these, um, you know, to be 
stellar I remember where I was when I watched it games um, for years and years in a row I think that's very very cool that's you know again don't want to give 100% of this credit to Chris Del Conte I think Mike Perrin um, in the entire Texas Athletics had had a lot to do with it but just kind of getting this home landing this um, is awesome and Tom Herman I mean this is this is what we want Texas to be. It's what we've been calling out. It's what we've been purporting that we are. One of the blue buds, one of the big dogs, the Joneses. This is how you do it. You go out and, hey, maybe we win most of these games and we really show it on the field, hoping by uh, by 2022, I believe, the first Bama game. Hopefully by then, uh, that's a national championship preview. Or a national championship rematch. We can nice. just see. As it stands right now, first game since 2011, maybe – 2019-2020, maybe a win over LSU catapults them to an Addy, or maybe this year, probably not this year, but either way, <laughs> it'll be nice to see those are two teams. That would be great to see that as a national championship preview, I think, and that also means that Texas is back to the days where, or the Big 12 is back to the days where whoever wins in Dallas goes and plays for a Natty, so that's that's when the Big 12 is the best, and I can't wait to see that. So really quickly, we're going to mention golf. The men's golf team uh, is continuing its NCAA season. We talked about it last week where Doug Gim was leading the charge and they were uh, going into their last round of their regional that they hosted in Austin. They ended up winning that by a 17-stroke advantage. So uh, big ups to the golf team. They will continue their tournament later on this week. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor our favorite tradition on the 40 Acres, or one of the best traditions in college sports, really. Uh, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, I'm I'm banging the drum for one of my other, and maybe just because of what it stands for, maybe my truly favorite tradition on the 40 Acres. That's lighting the tower orange. That tower is lit, fam. Um, it's it's been a pretty busy uh, pretty busy stretch here which is a nice thing you know the uh, the electric bill might be a little higher it's like christmas you know but you want to be festive you want to show the neighbors what you can do and in this case the, the neighbors being the noisy neighbors down the road a couple hours and, and others around the country but that bright beautiful tall wonderful shade of orange the whole city can look to and say hey that's my guys. They did something incredible. Um, there is a there is a website that I would recommend all of you just bookmark and and keep a look at it. But it's tower.utexas.edu/lighting-updates. So that's a great site. And what that does, yeah, that's it's as easy as a, a bit.ly um, uh, link to remember. Um, but uh, but yeah, go ahead and bookmark both of those. Uh, but uh, just to run through what we've been doing here. Um, the month of March, it started, the, where I'm going to start is kind of when the tower went dark um, to, to honor Augie passing, was which was March 15th. Um, and then, you know, we had a couple academic achievements, which I, I don't want to overlook. I just don't have the, uh, I don't have the, the cachet to sit here and speak about all the different various academic things with the, the geniuses who've come through UT. So just know we did those a few times in the, in the ensuing weeks, you know, for... Uh, National Academy of Engineering inductees, which is incredible, um, honoring some faculty and staff. And then um, 10 days later, we we lit the tower uh, for the men's swimming and diving team, which um, won with a one on the front, which means they won a national championship there, I believe 14th, which was incredible. Um, That really got us kind of started. But again, it was a little bit of a break right there. And then things got kicked up a notch. So after that... um, 
it went through, and I think I think on the ninth was when they did the ceremony of April for for Augie and lit it again, uh, and then things really cranked up. Um, starting on the twenty fifth of April, uh, they they lit for the Big Twelve women's um, and men's um, golf teams winning Big Twelve championships. Um, just kind of had to keep the light basically going um, because you know both of them, and then uh, there were some national championships speech team. Uh, happy for for those guys, um, as well as two Big Twelve titles for the tennis program on may 7th lit up uh and then uh four rec sports teams winning national championships including the fencing team powerlifting. don't want to mess with those guys ut women's volleyball club uh since our volleyball team proper couldn't quite get there i was excited to see that and the texas taekwondo teams each winning national championships which is a big deal and then as i said coming up uh, hasn't been announced when but i think this week they are lighting the tower for a big 12 championship for the baseball team so if you're a student and you get to walk across the 40 acres you're cutting through um kind of the main mall or um going past the the uh, large uh, metal balls that are there um, and you just kind of look up and glance up and see uh, the giant tower and you just take for granted if you're a freshman and you don't know any better and you take for granted man it's really been orange a lot lately don't lose that don't let the importance of that um, pass you this is a big deal this is Texas excelling and like I said I don't want to short shrift the the academic reasons that we light the tower I think that is why we all go to school um the sports are our outlet and our entertainment but um you know Texas sports is a big deal it's a thing it's a it's a piece of the culture of UT um and and the fact that we get this we get this month and a half where I just listed off you know a dozen different things that we were able to light the tower for uh, to celebrate the accomplishments of these young men and women um, really making a mark and hopefully we have a couple more coming up uh, as this season is not over for a few of these teams um, it just makes me proud uh, as a as a Longhorn alum to be able to to see that and to and to kind of pull this site up and just say hey towers lit today ain't it nice so keep your eyes peeled for the for the glaring burn orange beacon in the sky. You can actually sign up to receive lighting updates at tower.utexas.edu to find out when the lighting configurations are going to be there. Yeah, having the tower lit uh, for anything is, is so cool. Uh, you know, getting to be on campus, and I keep talking about this, when the last time the one was displayed for a football reason was really cool. Uh, you know, that same year we got to see the top orange quite a bit. We got the whole thing lit orange for, uh, in a lot of weeks cause you know, they beat A&M and then they won a conference championship. So that was nice. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's such a cool tradition and I love, love, love seeing, uh, the tower just so lit fam. Uh, every, you know, feels like every week for the last couple of months. Uh, my don't sleep is another really cool thing. It's a new thing. So, um, you know, a lot of student groups uh, honor graduates of the University of Texas with, you know, st- commemorative stoles, whether it's in your Greek life or whether it's, you know, uh, black graduation or whatever it may be. Uh, so this year, the athletic department actually has now rolled out student athlete stoles for all athletic graduates, which is so cool because as a person who did not play sports, you know, I worked all four years, I never was athletically gifted, but you know, I worked all four years. I cannot imagine. Uh, I, I remember what I had to do to make sure I, I graduated and having basically a full-time job 
for these guys on top of keeping their their grades together to a point where they can graduate. Uh, you know, I I barely graduated by the skin of my teeth, and some of these guys uh, put me to shame. I remember uh, Adam Ulatowski, a favorite of mine on the offensive line, went to calculus more than I did. Uh, but it's just so cool that this is a. Uh, this is a new tradition that they're rolling out for, for these student athletes because it is, it's an achievement and, it, and they should have a distinct, uh, a distinguishing factor. There are athletes who will, you know, with a red shirt year, get a four year degree and a master's degree. So it's just, it's such a cool way to honor these, these athletes, these men and women who, uh, you know, come to school and a lot of them, you know, it's not just the football players. It's, it's the baseball players. It's the basketball players. It's the rowing. It's tennis. It's golf. It's all, all of these, these, student athletes that don't necessarily get the accolades that the football and basketball and baseball teams get that don't have the fans in the stands that don't always get the uh get the notoriety this is a way to honor those people that you know they they are part of what makes university great just like the football team just like the basketball team just like every other student that gets to graduate but these people did a little bit extra i think it's really cool that um this is a new addition that they're going to get to recognize and honor those people year in and year out you know if you if you go to school on an athletic scholarship and you get the grades that you need to graduate, then, then you now get this extra, extra, um, you know, this extra piece of, of memory and memorabilia for, for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, I think it's incredible. And as someone who's, who's close to uh, a couple people, but uh, especially two of them, um, people in my life who, who were student athletes, my brother, um, played football, went to fo- uh, college on a football scholarship, really was the first, uh, kind of generation first member of our family to go to to go to college and, and he got to go uh mainly because you know someone was paying for it for him to play football but just the commitment that is inherent in that um and then when i really saw it even more was uh we've had coach zycheck on this podcast um uh, full disclosure coach zycheck is actually my former college roommate uh ut football player uh nick zycheck and uh I, there would be times truly i'm not kidding when we would be going to bed after maybe a night of uh partying or um studying probably but uh going to bed at, at wee hours when when nick was uh waking up and and getting ready to head into practice like in the summer um or in the off season and really get in there to the early weight room session before practice um and he was a player who got his t-ring and did his four years um but truly you know just doing like you said distinguishing yourself um academically while also carrying something that maybe as the average student you don't really think about um just the work the effort the the constant kind of preparation and and activity that that you have on your plate so i think it is great i think it's an an honor that um i'm really really happy that ut is doing and and i think it'll mean a lot to those guys and, and and girls it's, it's such a cool thing, and you know? I'm really, really glad to, that they're finally doing this. But that brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Before we jump out, though, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, you can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Connect with us on social media at longhornpod on Twitter. Kyle, where are you at on social media? On Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. And just a quick brief update. Don't want to take too long, but I did go to Fuddruckers with the original OG Fuddruckers crew who went to the game. I will say we cashed in um, our the final of our free Burgers coupons, which I didn't realize were expired by like four months. But big ups to Fuddruckers. Y'all were sweet. You were angels. You let us use those. We ate them them reduced uh, price free uh, burgers, and they were delicious. Truly, uh, Fuddruckers is uh, world's greatest hamburger. 
<laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow and like us wherever you find us. Subscribe wherever you found us and share this with your friends. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hook them.